Hello and welcome. That was great. I'm Cardi B. To I Heard It on a Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West. My name is Isaiah. And my name is Riley. 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 <laughs> um, I had an East East Coast saying, but I forgot what it was. And I didn't write it down. I was looking up today. It was something like about lobster traps. Okay. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's Topic Thunder today. What do we got going on? <laughs> today, I am bringing the thunder. Bring the thunder. Because I have got some heavy hitting topics for Topic Thunder. Wouldn't that be the lightning if it hits heavy? I don't know. Ask um, Chick from Cars. True. He's not a bright person, though. Car. <laughs> He's not a bright person, car. Well, I am a bright person, car. You are? And I decided that we're going to talk about scammers. Okay. And we're going to talk about essential oils. Okay. And we're going to talk about the X Games. Okay. That's some crazy topics, but we're going to get into all some of them. Broad variety. Because I'm passionate in some way you know, about all these things. Yeah, you know, when you really just want... To have three completely disconnected topics, this is where you come. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not wasting any time. Get into it. Scammers. I just showed you a video yep. from uh, Mark Rober. Yep. If you don't know, he's a YouTuber, very popular YouTuber. But he got involved in, uh, well, he makes a lot of stuff. He's pretty famous for making glitter bombs. Right. And in the process of making glitter bombs, he got wrapped up in a, a large scamming um, or like uh, the process of other people scamming um, and began to become informed as to their processes and their tech techniques and who they target and some of their information and where they drop off the money and all sorts of stuff. And he started to realize that he was gathering actual information about actual crimes. Right. And so he started to get people like the NYPD involved and Homeland Security and the FBI I don't know all the details. He hasn't disclosed them yet. But my point is, he released this video with a lot of information about scammers' techniques. And I was watching it, and I just showed it to you, and mm. I was like viscerally angry because <laughs> scamming makes me angry. It is a terrible form of deceit and stealing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's stealing, but also with lying. It's both. Right. And the target of scams is vulnerable people. Yeah. Uh, I have a stat that over 90% of scams, or the victim of scams, are over the age of 65. Huh. So it's people who aren't necessarily as attuned with what a legitimate email looks like versus an illegitimate right. email, or um, why a robocall can just be completely ignored versus something that you need to take seriously. Right. Um, but I want to explain how this one particular scam happened. I'm sure there are a lot of other scam techniques, but pretty much all of them happen with a scammer reaching out to a person. So I'm going to say this at the end, but I'm going to also say it now. The most effective way to avoid scams is prevention rather than like trying to figure it out at the end when it's already happened. Right. So just making sure that the people in your life, your loved ones, are informed as to how scams happen, mainly through calls and emails, and to make sure that they understand what a legitimate and an illegitimate call and or email looks like. Right. So 
if you are young and understand those things, make sure that the older people in your life know those things and know that it's never smart to send money to people that they don't know, even if they <laughs> seem like they've made a big mistake or that they need to for whatever reason. Anyway, I'll, I will probably get back on that soapbox later. Okay. But this scam is crazy. So someone gets a robocall or they get an email that basically says something like, Amazon has charged you $200. If you don't know why, please call this number. When you call that number, they say, oh, no problem. Let's walk you through the refund process on your computer. So they tell you to type in this URL and install something on your computer. That's a red flag. I mean, this is all a red flag, but that's weird. <laughs> um, the thing that they ask you to install on your computer is a remote control software that gives the scammers full access to the victim's computer, which is strange. I don't necessarily know exactly how those work. Do you? Yeah, so typically they're just used for you know remote access into like a workstation at work or for remotely managing um domain computers, basically just in corporate environments. So your IT department might need to have access to all of the computers to install updates or security patches, um, or maybe you just need to you know, be able to work from home. But basically, this, you just have to, when you install the, the software, you have to grant it access to be able to record your screen so it can see what's going on and be able to control your mouse and keyboard. And then it just does that, like it passes all of those commands to your computer and because you've authorized it when you installed it it just your computer just treats it like another mouse and keyboard that's attached to it and then it's recording your screen and sending it off remotely so if someone logs into a computer in yep. Germany mm-hmm. and gives me access here in Colorado yep. when I move my mouse in Colorado I can control everything on the computer in Germany correct and when they're used correctly typically you know you'll require a password to log in so they have to know both your you know ID number and a password mm-hmm. and then you might also have a two-factor authentication code that would you know trigger on a two-factor authentication app or on a hardware key basically to allow access and then they could connect and then even then you might not give full access like you might not give access to be able to make changes on the hard drive you know maybe they can't write or read things off the hard drive they can just you know control like change settings or whatever or maybe they are only allowed access to some specific folders um so when used correctly they're pretty secure you know as long as they're up to date and the permissions are set up right and you've got two-factor authentication and i mean i use you know several of them for work on a daily basis so they definitely have legitimate use but that's a pretty technical thing to try to understand you know and you don't know how to necessarily do that i don't understand it right totally I would call myself relatively tech savvy. Right. So basically, scammer gets full access without any of those things that Isaiah just talked about to the victim's computer. Now the scam actually begins. The scammer says some accounts have already been refunded that that thing that the Amazon email that they received. So the victim needs to log into their bank and make sure that the refund isn't already there. And the scammer is watching them do this remotely through that thing that we just talked about. So the victim logs in to see if there's a refund. They see that there is no refund, uh, but now the scammer is in their bank app or website. Right. Um, So the scammer says, oh, no problem. I just need a couple of minutes to work with the billing department to process the refund. Um, 
then the scammer, um, or sorry, then the victim, the scammer then logs out of the bank in front of the victim so that the victim thinks, okay, now the scammer, well, they don't know that they're a scammer, but you know what I'm saying. The person. The person doesn't have access to my bank anymore. So then they're just chatting and they're like, oh, they're connecting. Oh, what, what, what do you do for a living? Oh, I used to do that. My grandma does that, whatever. Um, but what the, pers- what the scammer is actually doing is logging back into the bank website via the browser's pre-stored username and password. So here's where it gets tricky. The victim is just hanging out, chatting with the scammer. Right, and at this point, their screen is blank. Yes, yes. Because most remote desktop programs can black out the actual physical monitor that's attached to the PC. Because if you're just doing remote administration, you don't necessarily want people to, you know, wonder why there's a ghost computer or like maybe you don't want to power the monitor on. There's a lot of reasons for this, but it's also very easy to be nefarious because. You know, it just looks like their computer went to sleep, and they don't think anything of it because they're on the phone. But they're still, you know, they still have full access even if the monitor's off. Right. So the victims can't see anything. The scammer is logged into their bank, and they then do HTML editing on the actual bank statement page, and they change a regular purchase like. Like the, there's a statement that says, you know, spent $38 at Lowe's, and they edit the text on that page to say um, a refund amount of $20,000, and they just wait. That's, right. That comes in later. But they need on their bank statement for it to say, uh, you've been refunded $20,000. Right. Obviously, they haven't actually been refunded that amount of money. That amount of money is not actually in their bank's account, but it looks like on their bank statement that they have received that amount of money. Right. So then he unblanks their screen and tells the victim that he couldn't get a refund, but as a last-ditch effort that they can do an online refund server, and that's an irreversible form, which those are also red flags. Those That doesn't right. exist. That's not a thing. So... The, the, have you ever once filled out a form where you couldn't like go back and change the field again or like no. delete something? No. So the scammer claims that they have to type into this form their name and their social right. security number and things like that and the refund amount. And when they type in the refund amount, then the scammer adds two more zeros so that instead of $200, it's $20,000. Right. And so they then say, Oh my gosh, we've made a huge mistake. You typed in $20,000 instead of $200 and right. because this is an irreversible form, it can't be edited. What are we going to do? And the scammer lays on the guilt. Right. In this video we were watching, he said stuff like, "Ma'am, please help me keep my job. My children family's are going to die, die yeah. because of hunger. Like right. I'm going to lose my job. My family's going to die. You have to help me right. do whatever you can." What are we going to do? And the victim is like losing it. I mean, oh man, I'm getting chills right now talking about it because I was... Uh, anyway, okay. So the, the, the scammer says that there is really nothing that we can do that there's we can't wire money or mail a check that's going to take too long there's one way that we can fix this though because you've been refunded way too much money you owe us money right 
So what you need to do is send us cash to to make it all even. Right. Which, th- okay, so that's a red flag already, like saying, oh, because we wired you this money on accident, you owe us money. Like, legally, if they wired you the money, you kind of own the money at that point. So they can't just be like, oh, you owe us $20,000. Like, if they wired it into your account, you own the money. Right. That's how it works. You, you should just log off. Yeah. It's like, like end sweet, the call there. This is it. I made 20 grand today. Yeah. Also... That's just a logical fallacy. The fact that you typed into a form $20,000 and then immediately there was $20,000 in your bank account and then they say that it would take too long to wire money to wherever they are and that instead you have to send cash in the mail, that doesn't make any sense because you just theoretically wired money to them. So why can't they wire, or why can't you then wire money? Wait, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, why can't you just wire it back? Right. Right. Not that I'm advocating for that, but it <laughs> right. doesn't make... We're not trying to help scammers get smarter here. But it wouldn't be smarter because wire transfers are traceable. They want cash right. because it's untraceable. And the way that they move cash, this is kind of getting off tangent, but they like put $1 bills in each page of a book or they'll like stack cash and then wrap it in saran wrap so dogs can't sniff it out and then huh. wrap it in tin foil so that when it's scanned at the post office, it's just a, it's just a big blob yeah. of mat- metal. Huh. So they're like they understand what they're doing, huh. and they tell the victims to do this. They Dang. they say the victim get you know a stack of twenty thousand dollars in twenties, wrap it in saran wrap, and then wrap it in tin foil and put it in a UPS box and give it to UPS. Bang! Isn't that crazy? That's insane. It's crazy to me because like they've obviously put a lot of thought into it, but it's not difficult stuff. No. You know, it doesn't take a lot of things. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to show you here real quick. So I logged into my bank account just while we were talking here, and I just tweaked one of my things with HTML. Now it says Amazon.com refund, $200,000. That's And now my balance says $202,000. So it took me literally 30 seconds to do that. And, I mean, to install any desk, which is what this specific scammer was using, mm-hmm. you literally would just have to go www.anydesk.com.install. Right. It would install, and then you would just have to give me nine numbers and I would put that in I could have access to your computer I could get here if your browser has saved you know I could do all of that yeah. in under five minutes and that's just like I just learned about this 10 minutes ago so this isn't difficult like anyone could do this scam and what Isaiah just showed me looks very legitimate it yeah. looks like his bank statement yeah I mean it is I just you know changed what he, it's saying right yeah this it's this blew my mind like of course you can look down at people victims of scams and say how could you be so naive right but if if you fall for that first step, that first call, I could see myself the doing the thing. rest yeah. of this. Yeah. Like I would fall for that bank statement right. thing. Yeah. And I I knew that there's remote control access stuff and I am wary of like downloading random yeah. stuff that people tell me to download. Totally. But I wasn't cap- I wasn't aware of like uh, of remote control access's full ability. Right. And that's it's scary yeah. to think about this and you're right this is not complicated stuff right. and there's i'm sure a hundred other scams as simple and effective as this right again i'm going to circle back they all probably start from someone reaching out to you and you having to then follow up with them right so that's like the no-go point. Right. There was a stat in this Mark Rober video. I'm going to make up the numbers because I won't get it exactly right. <laughs> but it was something like this call center that we looked at the footage. It had like 20 people working there. Right. 
they send out millions of robocalls every day and they get maybe 50,000 calls back. Right. And then they have to go through those and see who's actually like going to go through with it. Right. And maybe there's 12 people who are like this victim and right. will totally get on the hook and go through the whole thing. Um Every day, right? So they go through millions of calls, and they actually narrow it down to like ten or twelve people, right? So the vast majority of people understand this and either ignore it or don't care or don't right. follow up or under know that it's a scam. But it's just a numbers game at this yeah. point. Which so is maybe sad. what we could do as a public service to humanity is anytime we get scam emails or calls is pretend like we're on the hook for as long as we can and tie up their time to stop them from scamming actual gullible people. There are people who do that. Um, there's a YouTube channel called... I'll come back to it in a second. But um, I did want to mention real quick that scamming is an estimated $20 billion industry, Dang. which is pretty amazing. And it's crazy to me too because the, in this video we watched, they literally have... It basically just looks like a call center... You know, in Pakistan or wherever it is, with like forty people in cubicles sitting at computers, it looks like they're just working. Yeah, you know, at a legitimate. Yeah, they're job. like wearing collared shirts. Yeah, and, and they've got like a supervisor standing over them, but they're like scamming people out of their money. Like yeah. it's not this nefarious, like criminal. It's just like work for them. It's what they do for their job. Yeah, it's insane. Can you imagine like sitting next to some some guy at his office? Yeah, and is like, oh yeah, just another day at the job, yeah. saying something like. Man, please, my family's gonna die if you don't send nineteen thousand dollars in the mail to the middle of nowhere, Illinois, right. where where some supervisor is gonna then pull out the money and then he sends it to he wire transfers it via Bitcoin right. to this call center in India. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it's, how it works. It's just insane. It'd be like if I went to work and was just you sat down at my cubicle and was like, well, just here another day to make some more meth, you know? Like it's that, <laughs> yeah. that same idea. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. Two YouTube channels I want to shout out though is Scammer Payback. So this guy like messes with the scammers, leaves them on the hook. He does kind of what we were talking about. Right. And then another one is uh, Jim Browning. And he's the one that we were talking about before the podcast started that he, I don't know exactly how, but he is able to do the like red Retroactive, that's not the right word, but right. he like goes back and like is able to triangulate where the scammers are. And then he gets like into their computers and messes right. with them. And he was like, we were watching CCTV footage from the scammer of this yeah. Call video. Thing. And he got it somehow. Yeah. And he got the audio from this person being scammed, this victim. Yeah. And the uh, footage from their computer and right. all of this stuff. Right. I don't know how Which, he does it. Honestly, like I think if you're good enough at playing along, it wouldn't be that hard to do because a lot of times they're so intent on you know getting the the win, like getting the money, they'll mm-hmm. do stuff that is not you know security conscious either. Right. Like I've seen some of the videos where they're like, oh well, yeah, I can do that, but I have to you know install my banking portal on your computer to make the secure transfer or whatever and they'll right. still install you know remote desktop clients yeah, they're not, and they're trojans not and malware yeah so it's it's not hard i don't think you know it's just they don't typically i mean the reason that more people don't do that is what they're good at is they're good at weeding out people who are not stupid or not 
you know, ignorant, not necessarily stupid, but people who, you know, kind of know what's up. Right. And so they're typically very discerning about if you're leading them on and if you're just trying to, you know, mess with them versus if you're actually falling for it. Um, but I think if you're, you know, if you're a good enough actor and you can play it off well enough and you've done some preparation in advance, it'd be easy to kind of take down a scammer's operation. You know, you could install malware on their computer and start mining Bitcoin on their computer so that they all crash. And then, you know, you've basically DDoS them and you've taken their whole, you know, call center down. Yeah. So I think stuff like that. And the issue with that is it's illegal and you could still go to jail for doing that, which maybe is another reason people don't do that. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I could talk about this for a while because I'm amped and I'm angry, but... You want to get angry about something else? I want to get angry about something else. I want to move on. So um, just tell people about scammers. Make sure that they're aware that that's a thing that happens. And like the main thing to look for is uh, don't answer. I mean, it's 2021. You don't have to answer calls from people that you don't know. Actually, it's 2021. You don't have to answer calls at all. True. Um, (laughs) And from emails... Like that email that we looked yeah. at, it was from some really weird domain. Right. It wasn't from AmazonSupport.com or right. anything like that. Also, I'm pretty sure that Amazon doesn't ever request uh, like payment details Correct. or anything like that f- via email. Right. And the safest thing to do would be even if you do get an email and you're not sure if it's legitimate, just go to the actual website and log in there. Yeah. And just don't click on links and emails. That's yeah. probably the safest bet anyway. Which is which is the safest bet for any anything. platform. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Not just Amazon. Yep. Yes. Okay. Essential oils. Let's let's relax with a little bit of essential oils. Actually, not. <laughs> We're so, gonna get angry. <laughs> <laughs> so before I go down the DoTerra rabbit hole specifically, I'm gonna talk about essential oils as a whole. Okay. So I'm looking at this Scientific American article. Okay. Um, and uh, my, one of my questions about es- essential oils is, what do they actually do for you? Do they actually work? Do they actually accomplish anything? Are they okay. helpful? I okay. know that they are helpful in a psychological way, a, a placebo effect, if you right. will. Um, which is not something to discount. Placebo effects can be very powerful and very yeah. effective for a lot of people. But I wanted to know, is there actual science? Sure. Have there been actual studies to, to support these sure. claims? So, I've got a quote here from this article. Okay. The National Institute of Health provides a thorough summary via the U.S. National Library of Medicine of research conducted into the efficacy of essential oils. Currently, there is no evidence-based research showing any illness that can be cured through the use of essential oils or the practice of aromatherapy. The results on the other possible benefits of essential oils as of, for example, mood elevators or stress relievers are more mixed, but most are still inconclusive. And it goes on to discuss um, some of the other, like, I myths is a strong word, but I, I guess alleged benefits. <laughs> sure. Um, there are some proven success stories in the case of tea tree oil um, and things like thyme and rosemary and lavender and cedarwood for hair loss and treatment of acne um, because they're topical and they do have some um, more supported claims, but. That's kind of it in in the world. But there there have been some claims that citrus oils can combat 
food poisoning and things like listeria oh. and E. coli. Wow. Um, and staphylococcus, but it's a fun word to say. By it the way. is staphylococcus. But those are really serious bacterial infections. I think they're all bacterial. Yeah. And even a lot of antibacterials have not a hundred percent effectiveness against treating those. Yeah. And so, if you have any concern with anything like that, go to, go to the doctor. Go to. Uh, Go to I hospital. Mean, I was gonna say go to real medicine, and I know that that is maybe could be offensive and like discount non-westernized approaches to medicine. Right. But there are some things you go to just real go medicine. to the hospital for. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, there's what I'll say about the scientific efficacy of essential oils. Next question: Why are they so expensive? I was looking at some websites. Yeah. There are some web. There a lot of oils go for over twenty to forty dollars. Some oils are like in the $50-60-70-$120 range wow. for, for like a half ounce bottle. For like a half ounce, one ounce bottle. Be- depending on what they are. Right. Some of them I had never heard of in my whole whole <laughs> wide life. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of weird. So, a couple of reasons they're so expensive. Number one, largely it's just marketing BS. So, a couple of tips for buying essential oils if you're going to do it. First of all, there's no such thing as a quote therapeutic grade oil. There is no governing body, governmental or non-governmental that sanctions the quality of of an essential oil. The FDA does not approve them. So there's there is no like official therapeutic grade. That that doesn't exist. Gotcha. That's just a marketing term. Also, the word pure is defined as more than just 5% oil. <laughs> So any oil that is, quote, pure is just 5% or more of oil. So you need to look for the words 100% pure to get actually all oil. And those are typically more expensive. Secondly, kind of along the same line, is oils that are actually 100% sure and are marketed as, quote, for internal use have to pay liability insurance because Mm. they are... Telling you to drink it. They are telling you to ingest it. Right. And they are then liable if you ingest it and get sick from ingesting something that is not FDA approved, but they are telling you to put inside of your body. So you're just you're not paying more because it's healthier or purer. You're paying more so that they can cover themselves. Yeah, they're paying to cover their insurance and legal fees, which are then reflected in the cost of the right. product. It also is probably a higher quality product because in order for an oil to be safe to be ingested, it has to be hundred percent pure. So it has to be 100% oil. Okay. There can't be fillers. Right. At least that's what I read. But I am going to say personally, off the record of science, <laughs> that in my opinion, the potential risks of ingesting essential oils is probably a lot larger than the potential benefits. And since there are no proven benefits or even really suggested benefits, <laughs> uh, I do not recommend ingesting <laughs> essential oils. I think they should be Purely topical. Yes. Okay, now the part that you've all been waiting for. The pyramid scheme. No terror. <laughs> so, I found this really beautiful, uh, I guess you could call it a, it's a PDF. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it was published in 2017, and it's called the Opportunity and Earning Disclosure Summary from DoTerra. Mm. And so it's basically a 
a really beautiful looking PDF wow. telling their people, the, the doTERRA involved people. The marks? What? The marks? <laughs> yeah, about how they make their money. So it's, it's a bit of an external document, I suppose. Um, so it's talking about how they make their money and where their money comes from and where they spend it. And, uh, but a, the whole second page, which is just two pages, so half of this document is about their wellness advocates, which is what they call their salespeople. Okay. And here's where it gets interesting. Um, for those of you who don't know, doTERRA is the largest oil, essential oil selling company. They have a huge part of the market share, and they are classified as a multi-level marketing company, mm. which uh, the basic principle of a multi-level marketing company is one person sells the product, but they also try to get other people involved in selling the product. And that one person collects a portion of the income or revenue from those other people that they recruited to sell the product. And then those other people that they recruit also then try to recruit people. And so that initial person receives revenue from the people they recruited and the people that they recruited and the people that they recruited. And so if you picture it in your mind, <laughs> that one person recruits three people and yep. they each recruit three people and they each recruit three people and it kind of builds a pyramid shape. I um, prefer reverse funnel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the if you also think about how that works in your mind, that one dude at the top just keeps making more money without ever really doing more work. Yep. And this is truly reflected when you start to dig into the stats, which I had a really fun time doing this afternoon. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna expose it a little bit. Okay. So it was basically three large levels of the wellness advocates, which are the okay. salespeople. Yep. There's entry level, there's what they call builders, which is like the mid-level, and then there's leaders, which is the high level. Okay. So, quick overview of those. Entry level makes up 76% of the wellness advocates, so 76% of all the okay. salespeople. Builders is 23% of all of them, and leaders is the remaining 1%. Okay. So, going back to the entry level people, the 76%, only 16% of those 76% ever earn any money. Wow. And of those that do earn money, they earn an average of $375 a year. Wow. <laughs> so the majority of wellness advocates don't make any money, and of those that do, they earn an average of $375. This was in 2017, by the way. Okay. That's that first level, the entry level. The next level up, the 23% of midly, mildly successful salespeople, um, there are five ranks of these salespeople called builders. And they earn between $750 to about $11,000 annually. Wow. But this is also unbalanced because those people that earn around $750 make up 42% of the builders. And the people that earn $11,000 make up only about 4% of wow. the builders. So you can see how even within the pyramid, there's another pyramid yeah. where the vast majority of people who make a tiny bit of money are at, make up the, mo the majority right. of salespeople. 
So it's a pyramid built of pyramids. Yes. I mean, really, if you think about it, all pyramids are built of pyramids. True. So moving on to the leaders. There are six ranks of leaders. It goes silver, gold, platinum, diamond, blue platinum, no, sorry, blue diamond, and then presidential diamond. Wow. And they earn some legitimate amounts of money. These are the people that actually like run the company. And as a refresher, this is the literal 1%. <laughs> this is 1% of the wellness advocates. Um, so, fun stats around this group of people, the leaders. If you add up all of the leaders' annual earnings, so each of them have an average annual earning. You can look at it here. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you add up all six of these numbers, you get a total of around $2.2 million. Okay. Um, the top 16% of the leaders, which is the top four groups, because the bottom two groups make up the majority of leaders. Right. The top 16% of leaders earn 96% of the wellness advocates' sales earnings, of the leaders' sales earnings. Huh. So even within the 1%, yeah. the top 16% of the 1% make all of the money. Make all of the money. And the top, the top ranking, the presidential diamond guy, mm. is taking a home about half of that. Wow. The presidential diamond average annual earning is around $1.2 million. Wow. So then to scale that back out to the whole pyramid, that presidential diamond guy, he is 0.01% of all wellness advocates. And I'm saying he because it's probably a he. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> um, the the 0.01%, he, he is the 0.01% of all the wellness advocates, yet he takes home around 59% of all the wellness advocates' sales revenue. That's insane. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because which, of the pyramid. Right. Well, which, to be fair, is kind of how companies work in general. Like, it's just a different format, but it's, but it's the executives of, always make the most money. The executives always make the most money, but in what company does the Top 0.01% take right. home 60% and the bottom 60% right. take home zero. Yeah, that's definitely unbalanced. You were right, by the way. The CEO is named David Sterling, so it's a dude. <laughs> Great. Um, also, fun fact, doTERRA has a section of their website explaining why they're not a pyramid scheme. Yeah, you that's know it's kind of a red you, flag. Yeah. You know it's bad when you have to have a section of your website explaining why you're not a pyramid <laughs> scheme. <laughs> so that's just a warning. Uh, one last thing. Why are there so many oils? There are 69 <laughs> nice individual oils, 61 proprietary blends, and 17, quote, on-guard pr products, which is their immune support line. So there's just like a bunch of different oils. And I have two theories for this. Kay. One is there's a lot of things you can squeeze to get oils out of. There are. The other is just for money. Yeah. So I mean, it's possible some of them could be the exact same but have different labels and you wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, they could say it's like built <laughs> right. out of the same oils but it does something different. I think that's definitely true of the blends. Yeah. There's 61 different blends. Yeah. I mean, technically when you combine 
like what's the exponent of 69? That's how many. <laughs> Sorry, I'm more mature than that. Um, that's how many blends there could be, I yeah. think. But um, that's they, they don't have that many blends. Thankfully, that would just be overwhelming to click through on a website. But um, it's just like, what's going on over at doTERRA? Yeah. You know? That's crazy. The more and more I looked into it, the more questions I had. And I found this this PDF and I was like, ugh. Oh, you know what else I wanted to talk about is that there was an average increase in all of the leader positions over the last three years in this report that they put out in 2017. For example, okay. in that top, in that presidential diamond tier, it increased 51.4% 51, their annual take home uh, revenue. But it doesn't say how many people it increased by? No. Right. They're like, look how much everyone made more money, but it doesn't say that secretly there's only eight presidential diamond people it and does the say, executive board. It does say that the average annual earnings of each of these ranks stayed relatively consistent while the number of wellness advocates at each rank has continued to increase. Which theoretically makes sense up into a point because there is, you know, there is a point where you can get in on a pyramid scheme and have it be profitable. You know, that works with any pyramid scheme to a point. But eventually you get to the point where the market is oversaturated on the product and also oversaturated on the people. So you can't sell product and you also can't recruit new people. Right. Like so how much oil does the world yeah. really need? So if you're not in early enough, you're never going to make money. It's like statistically impossible but if you get in early enough and it's you know a product that people want then you theoretically could be profitable and i mean i know people who have made livings from you know pyramid schemes right i mean mary Kay is another very yeah. popular one which yeah. i don't think i have not at least heard quite as much about i don't think it's quite as um unbalanced i think the thing with mary Kay is their products are actually good and competitive and mm -hmm. useful they're not like cheap or knockoffs or placebo kind of things. They're not yeah. claiming to do anything they're not. So it's a decent product and they do have, you know, the downside of being a, a multi-level marketing company. But it's it's one of those things where, sure, the people in the top do make a lot of money and you're not necessarily going to get rich from it, but at least it's a decent product, you know, and they don't make you, well, they, I don't think they make you like, lose all your friends and family trying to sell them makeup stuff. <laughs> no, one of my neighbors growing up was a Mary Kay sales rep and we like still hung out with them. Yeah. She didn't talk about Mary Kay all the time. Right. But I will say one of my roommates in college started selling doTERRA and when he told <laughs> me I was like first thing, I will never buy anything from you. <laughs> so don't try to sell me anything. Right. Second of all, just Leave me out of it, okay? <laughs> I'm not gonna sell for you. I'm. I don't want any part of this. Yeah. I don't believe in essential oils, right? Or their their magical properties, right? So good for you. I don't think you'll ever make any money doing this, right? But you do you, boo. right? So, and before we just finish crapping all of our essential oils, <laughs> I do love essential oils for their like they smell. smell good. And they do relax me. Like there's definitely that like psychological like they make me feel de-stressed and they relax me and there's definitely a psychological benefit I think 
But to me, it's the same as candles. Like I treat them the exact same as candles. Like I get relaxed and de-stressed by, you know, sitting by a nice candle and smelling that for a while too. So right. I don't think they're the worst thing ever. I definitely think they have a place, but they're not a medical device. No. And you it's, shouldn't treat them it's as It's aromatherapy. Such. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they, I guess you might be able to compare like the use time of a half a bottle of of essential oil to a what is it a, like a 20 ounce candle right and those are 20 ounce candles are usually like 25 35 dollars right. from yankee candle and the essential oils like if they are pure it's probably healthier than breathing you know burning paraffin wax and we talked about we actually had a we candle did. episode we did so and i found that candles really aren't that bad for you right. but maybe they're not as bad as just like a pure oil right so maybe we'll have to study just like that sometime. squeezing an orange yeah so. yeah so who knows? Who knows? We'll do the research some other time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to switch from something that makes me angry to okay. something that makes me elated. Okay. We need that. Last night I fell into a deep YouTube hole. Nice. About the X Games. Okay. And it was magical, man. There's a whole world that maybe some people know about, but the extreme sports world is its own culture. And each one of those sports is its own subculture. Maybe I've already given too much away to answer this question, but what do you think of when you think of the X Games? Skateboarding. Okay. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Even though the winter X Games are held like 100 miles from where we sit every year well, for the last 20 snowboarding years. snowboarding too, okay. I guess. Those are basically the same thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I'm going to move past that. Yep. Um, so, X Games. They've happened for, uh, this will be the 26th year, and they are a celebration of extreme sports. And also, I would say, a celebration of sports that don't fit into your current like understanding of what normal sports are. Right. So one of the things that I really loved discovering through this YouTube rabbit hole that I fell into was how lovingly the X Games have embraced change and progression and growth in all of these sports. So I'm looking at uh, the X Games Wikipedia page because it, at Wikipedia is you know, the only reason this podcast's, podcast can exist. Pretty much. <laughs> and I'm looking at all the current events and they're all kind of normal. You know, there's, there's motocross events and there's skateboarding events and there's BMX events. And in the winter, there's skiing events and snowboarding events. But in the past, they've had a bunch of crazy stuff. Like they used to have um, mountain biking, like slope-style mountain biking. And they used to have uh, what they called rally trucks, which are like like rally cars, like kind of right. like de demolition derby-style cars. Um, and they had five different events with rally cars. Um they also had a whole line of events with inline skating, which they called aggressive inline skating. <laughs> so they had um, street skating where you would like do tricks. Okay. Um, uh, the best trick. So uh, it's a competition where you get to do one trick. Okay. Uh, they have that in, in skateboarding now. Um, vert skating. Which ah. We've talked about vert skating before, yep. but it's on a half pipe and you get big air. Um. And we, uh, they've had wa barefoot water skiing and sky surfing and bungee jumping. 
and mountain bike giant slalom <laughs> and climbing and street luge and windsurfing. Wow. It's just uh, so cool. Like That's how so rad, you know? Yeah. Like, in the 90s and like the early 2000s when this was really getting started and they were just trying different things and uh-huh. like seeing what stuck. Being extreme. Yeah, just being extreme. Like I didn't even get to all the winter events that they've tried. <laughs> it's just a, a really cool celebration of the outskirts of sports. Right. I mean, we've I, we've talked about the Olympics a little bit, not mm-hmm. nearly as much as I would have liked to because I love the Olympics as well. But the Olympics are so afraid to let any sport into it. Right. Like just this year, we're getting baseball back introduced. Right. Or next year, whatever. But baseball is a really well-established sport. Right. A lot it's of people of play a baseball. Main sport. Yeah. Like even in other countries. Right. Not to say that America is the main place to play <laughs> baseball, but it kind of is. Um, Everywhere else likes cricket. Right. And cricket is not an Olympic sport either. Right. Um, but if if the X Games were, I mean, the X Games are larger than America. Um, and if cricket were an extreme sport, it would absolutely be totally. the X Games. Because the X Games seek as much as it can. Mm-hmm. And the Olympics kind of shrink down to its, the most like essential version. Right. Which is kind of crazy when you think about how many events are at the Olympics, but... It's just kind of fun to see how legitimate but also informal the X Games have been. Right. Although I will say one thing I learned not in all of these documentaries is that the X Games have never tested for drugs. Oh. And that's something that um, has kind of been criticized by the World Anti-Doping Agency and the International Olympic Committee. It's probably because they know that everyone's going to be positive. Probably. I mean, (laughs) the kind of people that compete at the X Games, um, (laughs) in some cases, are not the kind of people that would compete on other stages. I mean, in some sports, like snowboarding, uh, people like Sean White are world-class athletes. Right. I love Sean White. I'm <laughs> such a big fan of his. Sean White, please come on the show. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, so people like him compete at the X Games and win and then go and compete at the Olympics right. and win. And I'm sure he competes internationally in other competitions and wins right. because he is the best in the world at not one but two sports, skateboarding and snowboarding. Right. Um, or at least was at one point. But... Things like motocross or yeah. BMX biking or uh, ice climbing, <laughs> not Isn't in that the Olympics. From Super Smash, Brothers? right? <laughs> right. So those are things that the X Games are probably the most legitimate version right. of all of those competitions, yeah. and the the more realistic places that those are competed at are like. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to make up some competition, but right. it's it's more informal competitions for like the North American BMX whatever. Right. And it's not something that everyone has heard of, like the X Games. Right. So I don't really have any main points. I feel like I've just been rambling on. Do you have any thoughts? I think... All of those things that you mentioned 
would be awesome to both do and watch. <laughs> yeah, do you want to go and watch the X Games like, with me? I would. I don't even know what sky surfing is, but I want to do it. You jump out of a plane with a snowboard taped to your feet and you surf in the sky. Yeah, I want to do that. And I want to watch that. It just sounds like something that Red Bull would sponsor every event in. And anything that Red Bull sponsors, I'm about. Well, maybe not necessarily everything, but most things that Red Bull sponsors, I'm about. Red Bull has sponsored a lot of things. And I'm not going to list all of the amazing things that have happened at X Games. But something that the X Games are famous for is debut stunts or tricks being pulled. Okay. Actually, I am going to list them. So, <laughs> for example, the first 900 ever done on a skateboard was live on TV, and Tony Hawk did it. I watched that. In real time. Yeah. The first time that, any, well, probably not the first time that anyone ever did it, but the first time that, like, on recorded right. TV or anything was in real life. Tony Hawk did it at the X Games. Can you imagine the pressure? That's just insane. Also, the first time that anyone ever did a double McTwist 1260 on a snowboard was Sean White doing it at the X Games. It wasn't like at some other competition during a practice run. Right. You don't do practice runs pulling out new tricks. Right. You just see if you can do it like on your home court, right. and then you pull it out in the last run on the finals. Right. And if you nail it, you're like infamous. Right. And if you don't, you lose. Right. You don't get the gold. Yeah. It's such high stakes, and I love that. Right. And people don't really do that anymore. They definitely don't do it in the Olympics. Right. You don't. It's all like hedging and playing right. safe. And, yeah. Yeah. You don't save a trick that has never been attempted before, and pull it out when no one is expecting right. it to happen. But the idea that you could watch the X Games and see something that no one has ever done before. For example, I think two, maybe two or three years ago, a guy named. Um, Mitchie Brusco did the first ever uh, 1260 on a skateboard, which is wow, that's... three and a half rotations, I think. Yeah, because 720 is two. Uh-huh. And, nine, and 900, 900 is two, two and a half. half. So that would be <laughs> 1,000. So 1,080 would be three. three. So 1260 is three and a half. Three and a half. We're good at math. <laughs> so it was this enormous vert ramp. He yeah. like goes off of a huge thing, goes down another ramp, and then it's a huge vert ramp. And he does three and a half rotations, just just flicks his head, grabs his board, spins around three and a half times and lands it. And that's the first time that anyone has Dang. ever landed it. And he just does it live on TV. Wow. And the crowd in the stadium erupts. And right. he's just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just landed that. Right. And that will always be how sports are. That's that's how extreme sports will always yeah. be. I was watching this. I'm going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I was watching this documentary, and the guy made an illusion. Like They didn't raise the height of the basketball hoop. They didn't make the football field longer. Right. They don't make those sports more difficult, but they keep making skateboarding dip more difficult for right. themselves. They keep pushing the limits of right. motocross. They keep seeing what can and can't be done like they will break their bodies to see what can and can't be done right and that's just really cool <laughs> like people do keep getting better at basketball right. but because they're like making very small improvements from their right. predecessors and it's kind of to the, the point where it's like watching pro basketball is kind of 
you know, boring because people are good at it and they right. kind of always have the same strategies and it always like, you know, it's a much more predictable, less exciting thing. Right. But if you could watch pro basketball and see something that has never been yeah. done before, that would be amazing. That like would be really jumping exciting. Jumping off a trampoline and dunking like 25 feet in the air, yeah. landing on to a pool. Yeah. It'd be like, I mean, that's what the globetrotters are. Yeah. People love the globetrotters <laughs> uh-huh. for that reason. Yeah. But it's not competitive, right? If the if the Globetrotters like could win the NBA Finals right. doing that, that'd be that would be a whole intense. other level of of excitement. Yeah. So the the idea that extreme sports have a, a legitimate outcome to, I guess, compete against it, to have competition, I guess I just never really appreciated that, right. and I'm excited to appreciate it yeah. into the future. Yeah. Whoo! Wow. That's that's what I've got, and I feel that I have bore my soul on this podcast today. <laughs> you really did all parts of it. I had a yeah, I had a lot of opinions, and I'm glad that this is a free world, or it's a free country at yes. least, in which that I can share my thoughts and appreciate those who listen, including you. Yes, you listener. Thank you for listening to I Heard It on a Podcast. We have new episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays. Are you going to do the whole outro this class? I might. Okay. And you can find those episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you're listening right now, just look again in a couple of days and there will probably be a new podcast episode. And listen to that one too. It'll be just as good as this one. <laughs> probably better. Probably This one we, was pretty good though. Well, we're always improving. I yeah. would like to think we're just, on a constant upslope. Just like skateboarding, just like the world of skateboarding. Yeah. Um, if you know someone else who really likes skateboarding or really hates, uh, what else did we talk about? Really hates essential Scamming oils. And essential oils. And scams. Um, send this to them and revel in your love for extreme sports or revel in your hatred for scammers <laughs> or revel in the misdeeds of multi-level marketing. Or all three. Or all three. If you can find someone who is as passionate about these things as as Isaiah and I have found each other, yes, then really enjoy that friendship. This yes. is a really long outro. And also come on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm just really trying to stretch out this podcast for some reason. That's okay. If we talk for five more minutes in the outro, we'll hit an hour. <laughs> Great. Uh, that's not my goal. Uh, as always, you can reach us at I heard it on a podcast at gmail.com. And we're out. And I don't know if the music went that long. We'll find out when we're <laughs> editing. <laughs> but you know what time it is now? What? It's food time. I'm hungry. Food time. And it's not even 11.